Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. We're talking about the church. We're taking some time to review, amen? It's important that we keep the word of God in front of us and even what we have heard still bears repeating and even what we have heard still is vital and important to us as when we initially heard it. And did you know that you can hear with intensity and you can listen with urgency? And um, listening and hearing are, are two different things. It's one thing to just hear something, but it's another to actually give intentionality behind what you're hearing and what you're giving your ear to. And um, sometimes things are just played in the background and they need to be brought to the foreground. Sometimes we have to give attention and intention to God's word, meaning that it needs to be brought to a greater place of priority. You can give priority to what you hear. And uh, in a world, in a day and age where distractions are commonplace now and, and, and we can have our attention in so many different places, even at one time, we are creating multitaskers. Uh, our, the, the new generation today has to learn to multitask much, much more than um, uh, some of us you know, even had growing up and, and even generations beyond that. I was at an event last night, actually, with, with Matt and Jerry and Webb down in Perry, Florida. Is that right? Perry, Florida. That Taylor County? So, you know, we were even more country than I think I'm in the country here. That was country. Uh, but it was just so neat to uh, be around individuals that were just so simple. You know, sometimes we are... So go, we, we, we are looking for the miraculous. We miss what God's doing maybe in the mundane. We're looking for the spectacular and God's moving in our routines, in our simplicity. And um, sometimes we have to draw back. I was just talking with one of our ushers this morning about trips that were taking, you know, spring breaks coming up and the need to detach. And, you know, even in vacations, Sometimes you need a vacation from the vacation because it was so busy that you get back and you're more wore out than when you started. And um, that's just how we are. I was talking with James about that. There's I had a lot of conversations this morning. I just talked to you about all of them. They all bear repeating. They all, apparently everyone needed to hear it. I was talking with James this morning about just those two words, staying busy. It's a, it's a default response. How you doing? Well, we're, we're staying busy. And we stay busy. And there's something about learning a pace of life and learning a flow that God did not intend for us to stay busy. That doesn't mean that we would just, you know, lay out in a garden eating fruit all day long. That's not what Adam and Eve were doing. And if you read that passage at all, you learn that they actually had work to do. Uh, but there is, there's got to be an intentionality behind uh, giving attention to God's word and giving attention to the things that really matter in life and um, not, not living a distracted life. And so we're talking about reviewing those things that God has shown us, reviewing what God's word says, and, and to God, 
Review is just as vital as revelation. To God, review is just as vital as revelation. And we get really excited and we get hopped up on those new revelations, those new words. God, show me something new. And, and he wants to continue to show things to you in his word. You can never uh, uh, find the bottom of the, 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 the word of God. You'll never get to a place where it has no more that I can learn or that can be revealed to me for the first time. And we've all had those awesome opportunities where we look at a verse that we've looked at for years. We've read it for years and God shows us another side. It's like a, it's like a diamond with all these different sides to it, a prism. And, and, and we're seeing something clear as day that for the first time, it's brand new revelation. But to God, his review is just as vital to our lives as the initial revelation when we heard it the first time. And so we have to get to a place where we do not become forgetful. And we have to get to a place where we can keep ourselves in front of God's word, even when it's something that we've heard before even when it's a subject that we've heard before. I was even sharing with Jerry Ann on the way back last night, uh, just a little tidbit of direction I was going, and she was saying, and that's so cool. Our church knows this. Our church, that's, a, that's the culture of our church. And when I'm ministering to you on the church, I know it is something that is not spoken for the first time. That's the whole point is I'm keeping you in remembrance, just as Paul kept you in remembrance, just as Peter kept you in remembrance, just as Jesus said, I'm gonna send to you the Holy Spirit. One of the roles he's gonna play in your life is he's going to remind you of things that I said. Apparently, there is something about the believer, something about us as humans, human nature, that we, be, we tend to forget things. Or the natural digression is not to maintain something, but we begin to digress or fall away or fall short or, or, or not reach the full potential of something. And so we've got to learn that the reminder, the reminders in God's word, keeping remembrance of God's word and the different subjects, the topics that we've heard, uh, they bear repeating in our lives because somewhere, some shape or form, some fashion in our lives, we've digressed, we've fallen away, and we want to maintain a charted course, amen? We've got work to do. We've got a mission to accomplish. There's a vision that needs to be advanced and we don't have time to fall away. We don't have time to come up short. We don't have time to play games. We have to have some seriousness, some urgency behind what we do. And so I wanna to talk to you today specifically on the matter of commitment levels and comfort zones. Commitment levels and comfort zones. In Malachi chapter one, Malachi chapter one, Malachi is not a fun book to read. It feels more like a scolding, a, a spanking, if you will. Uh, 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 God is, is uh, actually rebuking the priests and the, the, uh, the elders of what you could call the church um, of that time. And in Malachi chapter one, I wanna pick up in verse six. Um, and I pray that we have ears to hear this morning. I pray again, as I did last week, uh, kind of gave the disclaimer that you have ears to hear today and through this series. And, um, you know, I understand the, 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 the work that's cut out for me, if you will, in bringing 
remembrance and reminders to things that you've seen or heard before. But I pray that God can show us something new even in the midst of that, but that we'll have a hunger and a drive to hear today with intentionality. I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. And beginning with verse six, uh, verse six, not that other one, verse six, the Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. This is God speaking. He's saying, you might as well just shut the doors. You might as well just call the whole thing off. It's either all or nothing. He goes on to say, I am not pleased with you and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer a sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Asked the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nation. There's much more that we could go into this. And I know today that we don't bring animals and offer them. Uh, Today, church is much cleaner than it was in the Old Testament, much simpler than it was. There's really not that much that's uh, demanded or required of us compared to what the Old Testament law demanded and required. And part of that is because of the price that Jesus paid that once and for all, uh, there, the, the sacrifice was paid, that no other sacrifice uh, of this kind uh, of, of killing, bleeding out, 
severing heads, opening up uh, bodies of, of animals and burning their flesh and smelling the burning flesh uh, all throughout the aroma uh, or all the aroma surrounding all out through the room uh, and the space and the altars and, and blood flowing everywhere and the cleanup process. Uh, you know, Pastor Crystal does a wonderful job cleaning this church and thankfully she hasn't ever had to uh, clean up uh, blood spills and guts and brains and in, internal organs. And uh, we, did I say enough, Pastor Crystal? We're good? Yep, yep. Uh, she might have to clean up some nasty messes in the bathrooms or in our children's classrooms, but nothing like this. And today's day and age, we, uh, you know, live in a world again where uh, we offer as little as we can, but expect as much as possible. And we want maximum reward for minimal effort. Don't go to sleep on me yet. I know we lost an hour, but, but I'll get you out of here. You can get a nap later. That. Our efforts dictate our expectations. Our efforts dictate our expectations. In life, what you put in. And let me just let me just go ahead and clarify this. In life, it's tolerated that we can give little effort and get a great reward. We, have, we are establishing a culture, especially in America, where we can get a return on something small. We can pay a small price. We demand discounts. And Black Friday, uh, uh, you know, has more people standing out line, uh, outside in line than churches do on Easter. And... So we've got to come to grips with some things here in our American culture. And I am uh, 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 highlighting America because just as this verse reads, you can go to some nations. This is what, and this came up in a conversation with Matt last night. We were actually uh, doing, or I was uh, attending an event where they were hosting this whole past week. They hosted, what, eight wounded warriors? down in Perry, Florida, wounded warriors that have fought for our country, paid a price, paid a cost. These are all uh, Marine uh, recon guys. Like, this is serious stuff. They, this, this, the, every single one of them came back, maybe not with a, vi- a visible sign of trauma, uh, but they start talking, um, or you see their mannerisms, and you can tell something's going on. You can tell that, that there, there has been some impact uh, from war, the realities of war, and they come back to this country. They're fighting for people that, you know, 50% of the nation doesn't even respect or disregards what they're even doing in the first place. And so uh, it was just so incredible. Uh, last night was the culminating night of the whole week. And so they're all sharing about the week and everyone that opened up their doors and all the different hunting trips. And they actually have uh, children come with them. So it's an opportunity for these dads to connect and bond with their children during the week. And uh, one child said, I haven't seen my dad smile this much in my entire life. 
in one week, I saw him smile, breaking down, crying. You know, these are grown men that could kill you seven ways on Sunday and, 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 and just absolutely just utterly destroy your life. But breaking down, crying at a podium, just sharing uh, about what the week meant to them. And, um, you know, Matt and I were talking about it. And, I, and this statement just came out of my mouth. I said, we have freedom, but we don't have hunger. We have our freedoms. We don't have passion. It's dangerous to be given the level of freedom that we've been given in this country, but not have passion that coincides with that. Not have a hunger. The opposite of hunger or the opposite of passion. Uh, Here's some antonyms for you. Uh, Complacency. Complacency, apathy, we become apathetic in our lives, lethargic, the lack of passion will cause us to become lethargic. I thought this was an interesting word on the list, pessimistic, that when there's no passion, Pessimism sets in. The, the, the recognition of the negative. I said last week that many times, you know, the cases in organizations is the fact that those that row the boat tend to not rock the boat. They're not picking apart something because they're busy doing something. They're putting their hand to the plow, as Jesus said, and not looking back. And, and, and when you become invested in something, you find that you become less picky about it and, and, and choosy. And, and, and you know, there, there's a difference between being a contributor and a consumer. And in our world, and especially in our nation, Again, we have this consumeristic approach behind so much that we do in life and it's been tolerated. And what Jesus or, or what, what, what the Lord, what God is addressing here in Malachi chapter one is, is not something that maybe started out that way. But we're talking about a digression that this is where you end up when certain behaviors and patterns and cultures and mindsets are tolerated. And so you have, to, you have to guard it at its smallest form. I, I've, I think I've said this for the last three weeks in every service, and I'm gonna say it again, just bears repeating. And since we're talking about reminders, why shouldn't I say it again? I've said this, that it's much easier to pull up a seed out of the ground than it is to take out a tree. The, the, the question is, at what level do you want to address the problem? At what level do we want to address the issues that we see? And again, I believe that we are in a very healthy, we have issues or, or that we're tolerating certain things. I believe that we are in a very healthy church. And I believe that this church has a great culture of investment and a great culture of buy-in and a great culture of, of participating, not just spectating. That, that we want to recognize that, that we can't tolerate at a small level what we will not tolerate 
at a higher level, at a larger level, at a greater level. And we're very quick to recognize these things. If you serve in any capacity in this church, you know this, that, that we're, we, we, we spawn quickly. We try to address things quickly. We, we will talk about things that are in seed form because we know of what it can be. We don't wait to address it once it's so big that we can't. That, that's really the issue with a lot of parenting uh, is, is we want to parent in the teenage years things that we did not take care of when they were three, four, and five. And you do a therapy session with any adult today and there's something, diapers were put on too tight or, or they didn't let me swing on the swings long enough or, you know, something that comes up. I mean, that's what therapy's all about, right? Is just finding out what was wrong with my childhood. There's something in a small state that we need to address, correct, not tolerate so that we don't have to address it at a greater, larger state and, and, and have to do more work than it would have been just to pick it up, dig around, pop the seed out of the ground, say, nope, that's not going to work. We don't want that here. You got to guard your field. We've got to guard your field. Now, God here is speaking specifically about the offerings or the sacrifices that are made. And today, we may not make the same kind of sacrifice. We may not literally burn animals and things of that nature as we covered, but there are sacrifices or offerings that are made in this house every time we come together. And I'm not just talking about financial. I know usually when you hear a pastor go to Malachi, uh, you know, it has something to do with tithes and offerings and finances and that sort of things. And tithe and offerings is, is one of the greatest ways you can sacrifice for the king. But there are other sacrifices and there are other offerings that are rendered in this place. And God is ultimately saying that it's not just about the sacrifice that's made, but it's the standard of sacrifice that I demand, that I expect to see that we're not meeting, that we're not upholding the standard. In essence, he's saying this, if I can boil it down to 2019 terminology, I don't want your leftovers. I don't want your leftovers. I don't want the stuff that you don't want. The blind, the sick, the maimed. He even says, try offering that to your earthly lords. Try offering that to your governor, your president. Try giving that to someone that you honor in a natural setting and see what their response is. See how they accept it or receive it. But here I am, I'm God, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, and I'm not even asking for that much, but even what you do bring me is, is, is he says, you ought to just shut the doors on the place. Close the program down. So it's interesting that God does not have to accept just whatever we bring. That's interesting. Because a lot of times I, I think, and I'm talking to myself just as much as anybody else, a lot of times I think that, that we have that mentality, maybe not intentionally, well, I'm just going to bring God whatever, he's just going to have to, but, but, but we, we bring it without the intentionality and without 
ensuring that this is the best I can possibly do for my God. This is the most, the best I can bring. And he's not talking about natural specifications. He's talking about the man's heart. He's talking about what's on the inside of us. He's talking about what nobody else in this room can see. How do I know that? Because the Pharisees brought the greatest tithe and the Pharisees had the largest offerings and the Pharisees wore the right clothes and the Pharisees said the right things and the Pharisees did the right things. Even Jesus said, do as the Pharisees are telling you to do. Just don't do as you see them. Because they're whitewashed tombs, they're brood of vipers, and on the inside, they're empty, they're desolate, they're dying. There are a tomb where stuff goes to die, but on the outside, it looks like they have it all together. So God here is addressing not just physically what we're doing, but what he's saying is, is if you get it right on the inside, you'll get it right on the outside. That what you end up doing naturally, what you end up giving physically, what you end up uh, uh, portraying in your presentation that is revealed before all men will align with what is on the inside of your heart. So we're not talking about fakeness. We're not talking about just wearing something so everybody thinks I've got it all together. We're not talking about playing a religious role. We're talking about the heart of man. We're talking about what is going on on the inside because that's where real value and honor takes place. Because just because I stand up, salute, or, 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 you know, in your presence, you know, act like I'm giving you all the honor on the inside, I could be thinking how horrible you are or how disgusting you are or I'm better than you. No, he's talking about on the inside, we've got to get some things aligned. We've got to get some things addressed. So he's saying, I don't want your leftovers. He even goes on to say that you're keeping the best things for yourself. So we end up becoming consumers of the very thing we should be contributing. We end up consuming the very thing we should be contributing. Now, I, I, I could pinpoint, you know, I, I could stand here and identify ways that naturally we do these things. And again, some of us, good-hearted, good intentions. We're not trying to deprive God of anything. We're not trying to, to uh, 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 you know, come in here and think that it all serves us and it's all about us. But again, we're recognizing things in seed form. And, and a lot of it even just starts with our verbiage and our communication. A lot of it just starts with words. And how we address something or how we, we, we address something maybe in the church setting or at a specific church. First off, let's just, let's just get this down, that we don't choose church. 
Can I just go ahead and make that clear? In the United States of America or on this planet, you don't choose a church. Well, I'm, we're, we're, we're looking for a church. We're searching for a church. And, 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 and what are those parameters that define if this is the church that you're supposed to go to? But I can show you in the word of God that the, selecting a church and choosing a church that you call home is really not even up to you in the first place. For the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit, God himself, places us in the church. And he goes on to say this, as it pleases him. Now, I'm not trying to run anybody off. Well, I, I chose this church, so maybe I chose the wrong. I'm not trying to create a bunch of second guessing in your brain. I'm not trying, oh, oh no, what am I in the wrong place, Holy Spirit. No, no, no. You've got to know, is this where the Holy Spirit has placed me? Now, it needs to align with some things. Number one, it needs to be a church that preaches the word of God. Let's just start there. And the whole word of God, not the watered down, compromised, uh, itchy ear stuff that, uh, that, that Paul and Peter and these apostles uh, warned would take place in the last days. Many will fall away from the faith. That means that once they were a part of the faith, but they fell away. They detached themselves. But one is where the word of God is being preached. It's amazing how many people will compromise just that one element of church for a church that looks nice, sounds nice, has it all put together, uh, 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 has you know the right looking kind of people or whatever the case may be. Whatever the other parameters or other things are that you check on a box determining is this a church that I want to attend. But the Holy Spirit places us in the body where he sees fit, where he places us, where it pleases is him. When Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, I didn't see them say, uh, I wanted a mountain view. I like the mountains. Or Eve say, you know, I'm kind of a beachy kind of girl, you know. I'd, I'd like to be over on the, can you put us on some sand and some beach where the sun's shining and, and uh, you know, there's, I can go out and surf whenever I want or whatever the case. No, they was placed, man was placed from the beginning, a precedent-setting event, in the garden, placed there, has no say in the matter. They were placed in the garden and told what to do, given an assignment. I want to, I want to tell you something. Throughout the Bible, the, the, throughout this word, we are, ne- inactivity is never tolerated. Idleness is never tolerated. Restfulness, yes. Waiting on the Lord, yes. Getting in his presence, yes. But not having anything to do is not, you can't find it anywhere in the Bible. The people that we look up to, the Abrahams, the Moseses, the Davids, the, the, the Elishas, Elijahs, Jeremiahs, Isaiahs, Peters, Pauls, Jesus, uh, uh, James, John, they were all what? doing something. They were busy doing something. They had something to put their hand to. Adam and Eve, from the moment they showed up, 
were given an assignment to rule the earth, have dominion. Uh, uh, They were to uh, work and toil in the garden. And it wasn't hard work. It was an assignment from God. When God gives you an assignment, it's easy because it's his assignment. He says, take on my yoke for my burden is light. It is not sustainable. It is simply not sustainable for us to grow as a church and not have more people putting their hand to the plow to help accomplish the vision. It is simply not, there's no organization on this planet that can sustain that, that can take on more outgoing, but not enough incoming. That's just not a sustainable method. That is is a surefire way to shut yourself down in, in, in a matter of years matter of months, depending on the rate of growth and the rate of increase that you have, you've got to have people putting their hand to the plow. It's not sustainable that 20% do the work and 80% stand by and watch. Again, I'm not addressing our church specifically. I'm addressing what God is showing us in his word that we are to be busy. We are to have our hand to something. We are to be active, not inactive. There are no inactive members in the body of Christ. And I say that as lovingly and as urgently and as caringly as possible because I care for your soul. I care for your life and your gift does not come out in idleness. Your potential is not realized when we just sit by. Your capacity, if it's not pushed to the limit, you'll never even determine or learn what your capacity is. There's leaders in this room. There's authors in this room. There's songwriters in this room. There's poets in this room. There's missionaries in this room. There are outreach leaders in this room. We've got it all right here. He has placed it inside of you. But until you get into an environment conducive for the gift to be drawn and pulled out, I wouldn't have recognized half of what I have seen in my life until somebody made a demand on what was inside of me. And this is the thing. I was listening to a message recently. The pastor Earl was ministering. He was talking about when he joined the army, went into basic training. He said, inside of me was a, sh- was a soldier the whole time. He was in the army. He said, they weren't making me creating a soldier. It was in me. They were pulling out the soldier that was already there. When I went in, I could do 53 push-ups. And when I got out, I could do 82. When I went in, I could do 42 sit-ups. And when I got out, I could do 57 or whatever the case was. What they do, they just, he was put into an environment that allowed the potential and the gift and honestly, guys, the anointing that is on your life to come out. That doesn't come out by just being anywhere and doing anything. You've got to be in an environment. You've got to respond to a call. You've got to give yourself to something bigger than you. You've got to submit yourself to leadership. You've got to get yourself in a posture and in a place where God, I want whatever you have for my life to come out of my life. And so I submit myself to what you have ordained, the local church and the pastor. I submit myself to that so I can grow and mature as a believer and be an effective individual individual for the kingdom of God. 
But when we come in with a leftover mentality, when we come in thinking that this is what God gets, and this is all I can do, I've I've just learned early on in, in, in my life, I wish I would have learned it earlier, but I learned early as early as I could possibly learn that I don't want to limit what God can do. I want to make my, I don't care if I fall flat on my face doing it. I don't care if I look like an idiot. I don't care if I have no training, experience, skill, or knowledge. I don't care if, if someone says they need this from me or they see this in me, I'm going to submit myself to it and I'm going to prove to them one way or the other that you blew it and missed it, but at least I submitted and I did all that I could or that, it, hey, I just don't have it. You know, it's just not in me. And we're going we're gonna to pick up They're going to catch me because that's what good leaders do is they catch you. They don't leave you hanging and leave you out to dry and put all the blame on you and say, hey, you know what? Maybe we missed it here. We're going to find a good fit. We're going to get you in a place. We're going to see where the Holy Spirit wants you to be, to be the the greatest asset and to be effective. But, But it might not meet your, see, this is the thing. Commitment levels are usually determined by our comfort levels. We cannot allow what we're comfortable with to limit what I've committed to. I cannot allow what I'm comfortable with to dictate, determine, and limit what I'm committed to. Could it be that God wants us in a place that pushes us beyond our comfort zones? I've had introverted people that don't want to greet at the door. I've had them. We've had them. Oh, I, I don't know if I could. Have you ever welcomed someone into your home? Have you ever had an interview for a new job? Have you ever worked in a new office with people that you didn't know before? I mean, my son is the worst when it comes to being introverted. He's as shy as it can be until he gets, I mean, I remember one time I took him, we were going to this church and for a conference and we had to take him with us. They were offering childcare and I don't, I don't get it. He's a pastor's kid. You think that that would just be automatic, you know, that, you know, I'm comfortable being around, you know, he, he, he still doesn't. It was just last year. He was seven years old, had to drag him in there, you know, threaten him right to the inch of his life. Hey, you're going in this class. I'm not hearing about it. And, you know, uh, if you, if you even, you know, have a little tear, I mean, it started to come out and he sucked it back up in there and, you know, I say, we're going to class. I'm sorry. You can't go with us. Go back an hour and a half later after the meeting's over. He can't, he don't want to leave. Are you serious? After all that we went through to get you in here, now I can't get you out of here. That's a good children's ministry right there. Now we've got the best children's ministry in this area. Right here, right here at Anchor Faith Church, 
growing, expanding, and doing more for the kingdom of God and, 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 and creating an environment where your child is not just, just, just babysat or just fed some Cheetos and watching some videos, but they are, they are learning the word of God forming a foundation. And so maybe what we have to offer hasn't even been realized yet. Maybe what we have to give hasn't even been recognized yet. And so Jesus speaks to this in Luke chapter nine. What is the key? What is the key? Again, we're talking about a slow digression. We're not talking about one day we wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to give God as little as possible today. You know, I just, I want to give him the worst thing. What's the worst I have around here? No, what? I'm not saying that's how it takes place. I'm talking about how we, we veer off course with, with small steps that eventually over time, we're, we, went, we end up way out here. We were meant to be here and we didn't course correct. And it's much harder to turn that ship Later, it's much harder to get back than if we made one simple alignment adjustment initially. I mean, Pastor Caleb over there, he works on cars for a living. He can tell you that he has to tell people, go out, you know, and tell them things, maybe minute, small things that, that uh, uh, he sees wrong with their car. And, you know, all that the customer hears is dollar signs. That's all they hear. They don't, they, they don't hear uh, this is how it could affect this thing and, and how, you know, if I don't take care of it now, it could become this. They want to know at the end of the day, all right, what's the cost effectiveness? Okay, so if I fix this today and it's 50 bucks, you know, why, why should I add that on to what I do? And, 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 and so what is he trying to do? He's trying to help them figure out how to avoid Repairing your entire car or replacing the car because we don't fix this one issue. We just got done talking about middle management in the soul realm and we have these lights. These lights that come on on the dashboard that we override. Why? Because I'm not seeing the actual issue. The smoke's literally not coming out of my engine or I'm not hearing a noise. It's, it's, just, it's just the light. It's just the light right now. But the light's telling you something that you're gonna have smoke. You're gonna have noises. Something's gonna fall apart. You're gonna end up on the side of the road because we ignored the signal light. We ignored the light that's flashing and it's saying check engine soon. We all have check engine soons on us. Will we address it and adjust it initially or will we allow it to run a course? And in Luke chapter nine, I wanna read this in the New Living as well, verse 57. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And that's, you know, everybody in this room, if you haven't made that decision, we can take care of that today. But we want to be what? Followers of Jesus. We want to follow Christ. 
What does that mean? We, 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 we want all that God has. I mean, not one hand. I just want 10%. If I could just get 10%, Pastor Mark, if we could just get 10% taken care of, I'd be good. No, you want 100%. You want all that God has. You want all the healing, all the restoration, all the love, all the joy, all the, the, the help. All, you want all that God has for you. He says, I will follow you wherever. Look at this word, wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the son of man has no place even to lay his head. Essentially, his response says, you don't know what you're saying. Let me, he, 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 this is like someone coming up to a counter and saying, I'll have a number five, da, 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 da. And the cashier responds and says, okay, that'll be $5. He says, this is what I want. I want to follow you wherever you go. Jesus responds with the cost. Okay, that'll cost you your life. That'll cost you your comfort. Okay, that'll cost you your convenience. Okay, yep. That'll cost you your preference. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. So this individual responds with the price he's willing to pay. Now we're in negotiation mode with Jesus. This would be more like buying a car. You should buy my car. Okay, I'll give you 10,000. No, nope. it's actually listed for 15. Do you want it or not? But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. So now this guy's saying, uh, I don't have it right now, but when I get it, I can't pay the price today. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Just bringing to your Remembrance, reminding you. Our leaders, we're, we're reading a book right now on leadership and just health overall. And the individual made this statement right out the gate and said that a lot of times we're in the, just the habit. We have a habit of excusing things. It's just a default mechanism for us. We don't ever say, you know, I'm late and this is why I'm late. We excuse it. Oh, traffic was bad. Where did you get the Starbucks? I love that when we show up late, but there's, there's an indicator in my hand. I'm giving myself away right now. I'm telling you I went somewhere else. Sorry I'm late, but... 
So the individual just said, we just need to learn to be truthful and honest. Pastor Caleb actually took this to practice just a couple weeks ago. I had asked him to be here at a certain time on a Sunday morning uh, to help me with something. And I get a text message 10 minutes after he was supposed to be here. And he stated, I am late today because of poor time management. He just, just came right out. He, I got the text. I said, thank you for being truthful and honest. You're still late. And next time I have an expectation, you'll be here when I ask you to be here. Because then the next level up is, oh, I feel better because I was honest. And so now it's okay for me to be late as long as I'm honest about being, no. No, the goal is to get there. On t- punctuality is still the goal. Not honesty and truthfulness. But thank you for being honest. That's literally what it said. I will be there in 10 minutes due to poor time management. Being honest. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So, likewise, whoever of you does not, what? Forsake all. Forsake all that he has. Cannot be my disciple. And here we're not even talking about church member, church goer, or attending a local church and you know what responsibilities come with that. We're, we're just talking about being a disciple of Jesus. He says, what? You have to abandon and forsake all. Forsake all. And look at this in verse 34, it continues. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? He's saying that ultimately what gets compromised when we don't treat the kingdom of God and our our responsibilities as disciples, ultimately what's compromised isn't just you, but it's who you're supposed to be affecting. And it's the world you're supposed to be reaching. Because we learned last week that we are the body of Christ. That's our source. But we are a hope for the world. That's our assignment. We have a source and we have an assignment. And the source defines who I am, not the assignment. The source tells me, gives me my identity. My identity comes from Jesus. My identity comes from being his church. But being his church means I should be reaching the world. And my assignment in reaching the world is compromised. I lose my flavor as salt when I don't abandon myself, when I don't forsake all that I am, and I hold on to things that keep me locked in to who I am and locked into what I want to do. And so there's an abandoning, there's a forsaking, there's a letting go of, there's a drawing away from, there is a, a, a detaching, if you will, that should be identifiable with disciples of Jesus sacrifices. Romans chapter 12 tells me that I'm supposed to be a living sacrifice. Wait a minute, I thought we did away with that. I'm not bound under the law. I'm not supposed to, I don't have to make sacrifices. Yeah, we do. We just make them in a different form now. Living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices. Your life is now a sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. What's that? The standard. That's the standard of 
of sacrifice that we bring to him, that I don't just bring to him whatever I want. I don't just bring to him my leftovers. I don't just bring to him uh, what, what, I can, what I can conjure up or, you know, this is the best I can do. I give him the best and everybody else gets what I have left over. I was listening to a minister a few weeks ago and he was talking about how he's trained his team uh, on this issue of time. And, 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 and tired. And an and individual came to him and said, I'm, I'm just too tired to make it to this service. And he stopped the individual in his tracks. And I know this sounds hard, but it's just the reality of it. He stopped him in his tracks and he says, no, 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 no. No, you're not tired to make it to this or you can't make it to this on time because of something else. You chose to do this other thing that has now compromised your ability to be here. Just be honest and just say, I can't make it to prayer or I can't make it to service or I can't make it to the meeting because I have chosen to do something else. Then it becomes a question of priority, not an excusable thing that says, well, you know, I, I, just, couldn't, I just couldn't fit it in. Because look, we all, what do you want? Do you want 25 hours in your day? Do you want an extra day a week? Do you want an extra month a year? What is it that you need that would help Help that process. It's just simply elimination. We all get the same 24 hours. It's amazing. There are people making way more money than I am, but they have the same amount of time on the clock that I do. It's how we use what we have. And when you bring it to God, rather than consuming it, I'm contributing it. When I bring that time before God, and now I'm saying, no, this is not more important than sleep. This is not more important than being at this meeting or what, whatever the case is. We, we, we have to change how we view, how we're using the time that we have, using our efforts. Man, I hope this is encouraging you today. I'm not trying to be dogmatic and dick. At the end of the day, you can walk out of here and do what you will with what you hear today. But I want you to hear my heart that in these last days, there's an urgency and an intentionality and, and an effort that's got to be made to the things of God. We cannot slam our knees to the ground crying out for revival, but give God the littlest that we have. We've got to be greater managers and stewards with what he's placed in our lives and continue to allow him to have the best of what I have to offer. I'm tired of the world getting the best of me and on Sunday, I have nothing to give to God. The, the world got my shout on Saturday night at the college football game, so I can't even stand here. And when Robert says, lift your voice, lift your hands, I'm so wore out and tired. I can't even follow those instructions. But last night I was looking like an absolute maniac for a football game. 
And yes, I know I'm in the South and I know that I'm in college football territory. I like sports and I will cheer right along any of you. But I will be down here on the front row lifting my hands. That man back there will never have to pump and prime me to worship my God. He's going to have to shut me down, slow me down. Half the time I want to come up here, grab the microphone and get the rest of us going because my God is worthy of praise. My King is worthy to be worshipped. And he doesn't have to beg me, ask me, drag me. I'm going to do it because I'm in God's house. And that's what we do here. We're not going to pump and prime you. We start at 1030. Worship team has very specific instructions. You start at 1030. Because if you start at 1035 waiting for people to get in and get to their seats, then they're going to think next time I can get there at 1040. They don't, they don't rise up. They're not going to, I don't go down to their level. You rise up to ours. We start at 1030. I was just, just this past week, there was a, a pastor's wife, a pastor's wife of a very large church here in this country got on, got on Instagram. And she said, last week I was at one of our campuses. And again, she's a pastor's wife. I get where she's coming from. She doesn't have to give disclaimers to me, but she's explaining, I care for y'all and I love y'all. But last week I was at one of our campuses and I was standing in the back during worship and it was amazing how many people came in after the music was already done. My husband was getting ready to preach. Very, I'm talking 20,000 plus member church. And she was just encouraging them. Hey, it's just, it's important to be here. It's important that the second that the worship team hits, that you're there drawing and receiving from them. And they need you just as much as you need them. And let, let's give some urgency. And I know today, you know, we have the whole clock thing, you know, the whole setting of the clock thing, which... Who literally set their clock last night? Come on. Your clock does it for you automatically. You don't need an Instagram or Facebook post anymore. You know. You wake up. Now what I do is I wake up and my my alarm's going off and I'll check it with a watch or something that I haven't manually changed to make sure that it worked. And it's worked. It hasn't failed me once in the last six years. It hasn't failed me. This thing, they got it going on. I'll be glad when we do away with that whole silly changing the clock, daylight savings time stuff anyways. I went down to a country and they don't even do that in Nicaragua. So he's like, well, it depends on what time of year it is. If it's this time of year, you'll be an hour behind. But if, you're, if it's this time of year, you'll be two hours behind. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Well, we don't change our clocks here. We don't have daylight savings mess, whatever. I said, you should be a pastor. <laughs> Those are the two worst days of the year. Spring forward and spring and fall back or whatever. What am I saying? We've got to have urgency. That's all I'm saying. Bottom line, we give care and priority to what we want to give care and priority to. Worship team, if you come. Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. 
I'm bringing to your remembrance. We need your service. We need your worship. We need your hands. We need your feet. We need your voice. We need your smiles. We need your leadership. We need your hugs. We need your teaching. Nautilus team members, if you are serving in our children's ministry, you've got to recognize the value that you bring each and every week. In our last staff meeting, Elizabeth said something so dynamic, so powerful. She said, guys, we've got to change our verbiage. When we are in that classroom, we are not missing church. We are simply doing church in another place in this building. You're not missing anything. You're the only area, I was talking to our children's ministry, you're the only area that's not physically in this room while I'm ministering. I understand that. And we have technology today that allows you to go back and hear the word of God that is preached and hear and still get the meat from your pastor. But do not devalue what you're doing in those classrooms. You are ministering the word. You are delivering the word. You are ministering to children's needs, to children's hurts. And it's much bigger than an outline and a video and some cheeses. You are ministering love to maybe a child that hasn't experienced any love. Maybe they go to back to an environment that's the opposite of what we're giving them here. Got to value that. Just want to encourage you today. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever, everyone say whatever. Say it like a teenager. Whatever. Keep your finger there. Keep your finger there. Look at John 14. John 14, verse 13. whatever. Everyone say whatever. Now we get a bold whatever. And whatever you ask in my name that I will do. God, I believe in you for whatever. God, I'm believing. I'm asking for whatever. You said whatever I ask, you would do it. God, I believe it. Man, we come with fervency. We come with urgency. We come with intentionality. Specifically, God, I need this bill paid. I need I need this relationship restored. I need this to take place. But then we get over to Colossians 3. And it starts out with, and whatever. Whatever you do. Say, whatever I do. Say it. Say, and whatever I do. In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
whatever, whatever, whatever I do. Skip on down to verse 23. says and whatever you do again it's not about just bringing something he's qualifying the do he's qualifying the exercise he's qualifying not just what we do but how we do it and whatever you do watch this do it heartily that means with passion with passion. I remember I encouraged our leadership. It was several years ago. And I told them, I said, we don't get to just come in here and do something so-so. We don't get to do that. God doesn't have to just receive or accept what we bring before him in just whatever state. It is. I know that we've said that for so long. As I come, just as I come, He receives me just as I come. But once you come, and then He begins to do a work in your life to change what you can produce and change how you can produce it, now we have an obligation and a responsibility to meet the standard to bring it to God to the level of the best of our ability. He says, and whatever you do, do it heartily. As to who? To the Lord. Well, Pastor Mark asked me to do this. Elizabeth asked me to serve in this classroom. Uh, Jerry Ann's asking me to do another outreach event. No, 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 no. The Lord is asking you. The Lord is calling you. The Lord has qualified you. The Lord has assigned you. The Lord has placed you in the body as it pleases Him. The Lord has called you to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. So we cannot have this exercise any longer of asking Him for everything but giving Him nothing. Holy, acceptable, pleasing unto Him. Knowing that, verse 24, from the Lord, you will receive the reward of your inheritance. This is it. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself said, You want to be a leader? You want to be the greatest? Serve. There is no such thing as leadership without service. In fact, the greatest leaders recognize that's just more people that I serve. We take that little triangle chart, we flip it upside down, and the leader is serving. I'm serving you. I'm serving you. As the leader that God placed over this house and that God has placed in this assignment as it pleases Him, my heart is to serve Him as I'm serving you. My service of this body 
reflects my service to God. Your service to man ultimately reflects your service to Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.